Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Exodus chapter number one. Listen to what the Bible said in verse number one. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Uh, this next phrase is very important uh, to understand the book of Exodus. Every man uh, and his household came with Jacob. Go down to verse number eight. Now there arose a new king over Egypt which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the children of Israel uh, are more and mightier than we. Come on, uh, let us deal wisely with them, lest uh, they multiply. And and it come to pass that when they uh, their falleth uh, out any war, they join also unto the enemies and fight against us uh, and so get them up out of the land. So just for the sake of time to conclude chapter number one, uh, um, God allows Pharaoh to take God's people uh, and put them in bondage in Egypt's land. And with the help of the Lord, I want to preach on this simple word this morning, redemption. Father, I pray that you'd help us today. I pray that your will and way would be done. God, I pray, Lord, that you would... Uh a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray, God, that you'd help us, Father, to recall the things that we've studied this week, God. Lord, things that we don't even have written down, God, may you bring it back to our remembrance today. God, I thank you, Lord, so much for the sweet missionary family that's with us today, the Owens, and God, I pray, God, that you'd bless their ministry, bless their work, God. Help them, Father, be with their work as they're away from it, God. Lord, I pray that if there'd be anybody here today lost, God, that you'd save them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. Well, if we're going to look at the subject of redemption this morning, I believe that we might need to know what redemption is. The word redemption simply means this out of the 1828 Webster's Dictionary. It means repurchase of captured goods or prisoners. The act of procuring the deliverance of person or things from the possessions of the power of captors by the payment. In theology, it means this, the purchase of God's favor by the death and suffering of Christ, the ransom or deliverance of sinners from the bondage of sin and the penalties of God's violated law by the atonement of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, whenever you think about the beginning statement of that, it means a repurchase of captured goods or prisoners. The repurchase of it. I thought about this, Brother Josh, whenever I read that, the repurchase of something. God created us in his his very own image. Would you not agree with me on that? In Genesis chapter number one and chapter number two, we read about creation. But in chapter number three, Eve sold us out to sin. Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden. So for us to have fellowship with the Father, we had to be redeemed because of the sin that had been committed. Now, whenever you 
study the book of Exodus, you'll find uh, that it is the redemption book uh, of the Old Testament. It is dealing uh, with redemption. Whenever you study it out, there is the need of redemption uh, in chapters 1 through 6 because there is bondage and enslavement. There is the might of redemption in chapters 7 through 11 that's displayed by the plagues. Then there is the character of redemption in chapters 12 through 18. The duty of redemption in chapter 19 through chapter 24 and the provision of redemption in chapter number 25 through chapter number 40. Again, it is a book of redemption. It is a book of being redeemed. It is a book of being brought out of a slavery and brought out of bondage and being set free because of something someone else has done. Amen. Think about this with me this morning. In the book of Exodus, you'll find that there is numerous symbolic pictures here in the book of Exodus. You'll find that Egypt is a type of the world. You'll find that Pharaoh is a type of Satan. The children of Israel is a type of man enslaved by sin and in need of a redeemer. But you'll also find that the main character throughout the book of Exodus is a man by the name of Moses and he is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ in doing for the children of Israel what the children of Israel could not do for themselves. Let's take a few minutes this morning and walk through this book of redemption or these first few chapters. Number one, I want you to see this this morning. I see the children of Israel as we walk through this. Number one, I see their captivity. I see their captivity. Note with me what your Bible said in chapter number one. Now, there are many names of the children of Israel which come into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob. Verse number eight, nine, and 10 tells us that Pharaoh rises up, one that knows not Joseph, rises up against the children of Israel. And in rising up against the children of Israel, he puts them in bondage or in captivity. In other words, they couldn't do as they wanted to do. Here's the reason why they was in captivity. I began to study this. You say, well, preacher, you said verse number one is so important. Why is it so important? Look what your Bible said in verse number one. The Bible said this, every man and his household came with, what's the next word? Jacob. The Bible said that they came with Jacob. They came with Jacob. I'm sure that if you've ever read your Bible or you've been in church any time at all, your mind will go back to the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis chapter number 32, we are uh, reading about a man by the name of Jacob. 
Matter of fact, the Bible said this, that Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night. And Jacob would not let go of him until he told him who he was. And that night, you remember what happened? After the sun broke the next morning, the Bible said this, that his name would no longer be Jacob, but would be what? Israel. God changed Jacob's name in Genesis 32 from Jacob to Israel. Now, you know what the word Jacob is today? Uh, Jacob is the cunning one. Jacob is the deceiver. Jacob, whenever you study it out in the word of God, is a type of the flesh. He's a type of the flesh. You said, Preacher, what are you saying this morning? Here's what I'm letting you see this morning. He did not call his name Israel right there. He called his name Jacob. Here's the reason why our flesh will do nothing but lead us into captivity. Our flesh will do nothing but lead us into bondage. The world has this mindset. If I get saved, then I live a life of bondage. No, when you get saved, you live a life of freedom. Living a life without salvation is a life of bondage. The flesh leads us to nothing but bondage. The flesh leads us to nothing but what will bring destruction in our life. As I read about this, I also noticed this down about verse number eight. The Bible said that there was another Pharaoh that arose that knew not Joseph. That knew not Joseph. Let your mind go back again into the book of Genesis. You remember Joseph, don't you? And Joseph grew up there. And, and, as, and, and as Joseph grew older there in the kingdom, he had great favor with who? He had great favor with Pharaoh uh, and actually ended up becoming uh, one of the rulers of Egypt's land. Uh, but there was a new Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph. I thought about this. Why was the children of Israel in Egypt? Well, it's because they followed a type of the flesh and that's what the flesh will do. It will lead you into Egypt. But I also thought about this. You remember in that story of Joseph, you remember how Joseph wound up in Egypt? The reason that Joseph wound up in Egypt is this right here. Because his brothers sold him into slavery. In other words, his brothers had done wrong. And who do we find now that's living a life of bondage. It is the generations to follow his brothers. You say, preacher, what does that have to do with anything? It proves the Bible true in Genesis chapter or Galatians chapter number six. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. His brothers sowed to the flesh and now their children are reaping what their daddy sowed years ago. I see here their captivity, their flesh, their flesh led them in to captivity. You and I sit here today and if we're not saved by the grace of God, if redemption has never come in our life, then we are living a life. Let me back up and rephrase it because I'm not included in that. You are living a life of captivity. You are living a life of bondage. 
Ah, you'll never understand what true freedom is till you get saved by the grace of God. It is not a life of bondage. You know what? Somebody said this. Well, I can't do this and I can't do that. Uh, whenever I get saved, I want you to hear me. I'm 43 years old and I can do whatever I want to do. I can do whatever I want to do. The difference is this. Since I got saved, my want-tos have changed. Are you hearing me? I can, I'm 43 years old. There ain't nobody going to stop me from going out and getting drunk tonight if I want to do that, but I have no desire to do that. I can do whatever I want to do. The difference is this. Since the day of redemption, my want-tos have changed. I don't want to do what I used to do. I see their captivity this morning. But number two, uh, let's move quickly. I not only see their captivity, I also see their conqueror. Their conqueror. I looked that word up and here's what it means. It means one who conquers, one who gains a victory, one who subdues and brings into subjection or possession by force or by influence. You see, the children of Israel was in a very bad place in the land of Egypt. Matter of fact, you that studies your Bible knows for 400 years, for 400 years. And can I back up and say something right here? Can I say this right here? The children of Israel Watch this. What those that was there at this present moment was born into that. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? They was born into that. Reminds me of what David said in Psalms 51. You know what David said? He said, in sin did my mother conceive me. You know what he was saying? He's saying this. I was born a sinner. You see every one of us sitting here today, we was born in captivity. But it don't stop there. Uh, Adam and Eve found themselves in captivity in Genesis chapter number three. But the story does not stop there. Hallelujah. You see, there was a conqueror that came back in the midst of the garden and walking in the midst of the garden and talking with Adam and Eve. And you know what he said? He says to Adam and Eve, where art thou? They exposed their self to God. God says, your words will never bring you back into fellowship with me. But God made a sacrifice and made coats of skin and Adam and Eve was brought back into the fellowship with God. Why? Because there was a conqueror that was there. You see, you and I was born into sin, but God did not leave us in that. God provided a conqueror in the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought about this. Moses is, Moses is one of the main characters and is the main character besides the Lord in the book of Acts, 720 times his name is mentioned. The children of Israel was in a place where they could not do for themselves what needed to be done. Can I 
say that again. The children of Israel is in a place where they could not do for themselves what needed to be done. So God provided somebody to do for them what they could not do for themselves. If that don't excite you, you probably never get saved. You and I was in a place where we could not do for ourselves what needed to be done. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I can't work my way into heaven. I can't preach my way into heaven. I can't pray my way into heaven. But the only thing I can do is put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and trust what he has offered already done their conquer God in chapter number two allows Moses to be born God allows him to be hid at the right place at the right time for the right person to come by and find him hid you see Noah wasn't the only one that built an ark Moses' mama built an ark too Noah built an ark to save a nation and saved his family are you hearing me can I say it again? Noah built an ark to save the nation and save his family. But Jochebed, that's Moses' mama, by the way, she built an ark to save her family and save the whole nation. <laughs> oh, yes. God puts Moses, if you've never read your Bible, you don't understand what I'm saying. But if you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. God put Moses in the right place, had the right time, in the right river, behind the right bushes, for the right person to walk by. The world would say, man, how lucky. Man, what a coincidence. No, it was the providential hand of an almighty God that put Moses where he was at and Pharaoh's daughter finds him and ends up bringing him in and Moses' mother ends up getting paid to raise her son. Guess where at? In Pharaoh's house. So one said it this way. Moses spent 40 years in Pharaoh's palace. Moses spent 40 years in the desert of Midian. Then Moses spends 40 years in the wilderness leading the nation of Israel. D.L. Moody said this about Moses. Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was nobody, and then 40 years discovering what God can do with somebody when they realize they're a nobody and they'll influence everybody. That's what God done with Moses right there. He was the conqueror that God put in place. You and I was born in slavery. You and I was born in Egypt, if you want to say it that way. We was born in captivity. Oh, but aren't you glad that God did not leave us in that? But all throughout the Old Testament, they said there's a man that's coming. He's going to be born by the way of a virgin, by the name of Mary. And we roll over it into the New Testament and guess what happens exactly what was prophesied of and God sent his son to do for us what we could not do for ourselves oh yes there was their conquer there was their conquer I see this their captivity I see their conquer God provided for them what they needed. 
And I'll say this to you and then I'm gonna move on. God will always provide for you what you need. He provided their conqueror. Number three, I'm gonna skip through about eight hours of preaching and go to chapter 13. Between chapter two and chapter 13, God's preparing Moses. God goes in and tells Moses, the I am that I am has said, set my people free. Moses rebels against that. The plagues come on. You ought to read about that at some point in time. The plagues come upon the children of Israel. I was reading back through the book of Exodus again this week, and I, I, I'll just say this in passing. That thing don't like me this morning. I'll say this in passing. I, I, I try, and I don't say a lot about my reading or anything like that, but I try, if I'm going to preach out of a book, I try to read that book a couple times the, the week before I preach on it. That way I'm familiar with what's happening in the book. And I was reading back through the book of Exodus and even on Wednesday when we was traveling, I had uh, my ear pods in and I was listening to the book of Exodus. And, and here's one thing that's so interesting about those plagues. Did you know every time before one of those plagues come, God warned them about it? God warned them about it. God said, Pharaoh, you better get right or this is going to happen. And I'm going to tell you something. God will always warn you before judgment comes. God will never just walk up to you and smack you in the back of the head. God will always send warning. And you know the way that God warned them? Through his man. God used Moses to warn Pharaoh. I'm going to say something to you this morning. Don't fall out with me. But every once in a while when the man of God's preaching, he would do real good to perk up and listen to what he's saying because God may be sending you a warning through his man. He warns them. And of course, we know the story. Pharaoh don't listen until the death of the firstborn. He finally says, let my people go. So now the captivity has met a conqueror and how he begins to lead his people out of Egypt. Chapter 13. The Bible said this in verse number 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of fire by night, or he took not away the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Number one, I see their captivity. Number two, I see their conquer. In other words, they had somebody that came in and set them free. Thank God for the day that I realized I was in captivity. But boy, thank God for the day that I realized there was a conqueror and I put my faith in him and trusted him and he set me free from captivity. Number three this morning, I see their cloud. I see their cloud. You say, preacher, what in the world has a cloud got to do with that? Oh, it's got a lot to do with it. The Bible said that he give them a cloud to lead them by day and a cloud of fire to lead them by night. Said that it didn't go away, that wherever they went, there the cloud was. In other words, wherever the cloud went, they went. If they was gonna be in fellowship with the Lord, they had to be where the cloud was at. 
You say, preacher, what's that have to do with us today? I believe the cloud is a type of the Holy Spirit that indwells within us today. You see, there was a day that I realized I was lost and on the road to hell. There was a day that I realized that I was living a life of captivity. Oh, but thank God there was a conqueror that came by my way and showed me my need of him. And I put my trust in him. But since I've got saved, God just didn't leave me all alone. God just didn't leave me all alone. No, I sure am glad that God has given me a cloud today that in the Holy Spirit that everywhere I go he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own. I'm glad that we have somebody to lean on in the troubled times of our life. Miss Hannah was testifying before she sang this morning and was talking about some of the troubled days and the storms that they had been through. And I, I'm sure I, I can recall some of the things that she was talking about as our family prayed for them during some dark days in their life. But I sure am glad that God's always been faithful to us. The cloud's always been there. Anytime that I've needed, well, amen. Anytime that I've needed him, I could battle on an unworthy knee and cry out to him and it sins out of my life. I sure am glad that he said call unto me and I will answer thee. It's a cloud that's in our life now. It's the Holy Spirit of God that goes with us as we journey through this life. I see this. Let me give you a couple more things and I'll be done. I'm watching the time. Number one, I see their captivity. Number two, I see their conquer. Number three, I see their cloud. But number four, watch this, chapter number 14. Chapter number 14 comes around. And when chapter number 14 comes around, they have left Egypt. They're starting towards Canaan's land, which we've been preaching about out of Joshua on Sunday nights. They've started towards Canaan's land and on their way there, they're approached with the Red Sea. Are you with me? And y'all remember this story, don't you? And when they get to the Red Sea, um, when you study the geographical location, there's the Red Sea in front of them, mountains on one side of them, desert on another side of them, and the Egyptian army is pursuing after them. Now let me just let me just chase this rabbit and, and, and shoot it real quick and we'll move on. Anytime you start separating yourself from this world, there'll always be a crowd that comes after you and tries to pull you back into it. Amen. There'll always be a crowd that tries to pull you back into it. And 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 they're running and they get to the Red Sea. And God speaks to Moses. You remember that rod, don't you? That rod was haunted in my opinion. He said, throw that rod down. Moses throw that rod down and it turned into a serpent. He said, now pick that rod up. I said, do what? <laughs> Are y'all with me? Uh, me and serpents. I mean, Brother Robert, the Lord cursed them. There's no need in handling them. What did Moses do? Man, he picked that serpent up and become a rod again. That rod, what's in thine hand, man? Boy, God used that rod in Moses' life. He gets that Red Sea that time in his life where 
Man, no doubt. Hey, uh, can, I just say, can I just say it this way? I'm trying to get done. Can I say it this way? You remember when you first got out of captivity. You remember, man, how excited you was, how thrilled you was, how the burden and, and, and the load of sin was no longer on you, how, man, in your life, Brother Josh, there was just a deep, settled peace that you couldn't explain. Boy, man, life was, you, man, it was a kuna matata, man. No words for the rest of your days. Man, you thought it was great. You know what happens? It's not long after we're saved. Now stay with me. And the Egyptians start running after us. It's not long after we're saved that we're faced with Red Sea experiences in our life. Yes, our conqueror is there. Yes, the cloud is there. Yes, yes, the captivity is gone. But boy, we do just like the children of Israel. Moses why in the world did you bring us out here to die in this? What was your, why was it Moses? It's always the preacher's fault if y'all ain't figured that out yet. It's always his fault. Moses, what are you doing? And they come to the Red Sea and God says, Moses, take your rod, stretch out over the Red Sea. Moses took his rod and stretched out over the Red Sea. And you know what that cloud done when you study chapter 14? Here's what that cloud done. That cloud went behind the children of Israel and made it dark to the Egyptian army, but made it light to the Israelites. And God parted the waters that day a mile and a half to the right and a mile and a half to the left, three miles from what different one, different commentators said, three miles that he opened can I just remind you that there's probably around 2 to 2.5 million people that's in this exodus right here. Parts the waters that day, and I see here they're crossing. They're crossing. You see, they had to make a choice that day what they was going to do. Was they going to die with the Egyptians in the world? Or was they going to take the provisions that God had prepared for them and cross over the Red Sea. What did God do for them that day? God allowed them to cross the Red Sea. And when they get to the other side, you know what ends up happening? On the other side, you know what ends up happening after they cross the Red Sea? Here's what ends up happening on the other side. They get over there, and that cloud lifts. What about that? I'm telling you, if you want to read a book that is unreal, read the Bible. The cloud lifts, it moves, and guess what happens to the Egyptian army? The Egyptian army comes pursuing after them right into the midst of the Red Sea that was dry. So an all preacher, you know, uh, uh, history has proven to us that it was, it was probably around ankle deep to knee deep that day when the children of Israel crossed. Well, that's more of a miracle than it being dry ground. Right. You say, well, why is that? How did the Egyptian army drown in ankle deep water? If you just start taking the Bible for what it says and quit trying to be smarter than God, you'd be a whole lot better off in this thing. Just take it for what it's, it was dry ground. They get to the other side. The cloud moves. Here comes those 
that has held them captive, those that have given them trouble, the one that has led every bit of the problems that they had faced comes running into the Red Sea. And you know what Moses does? Takes that rod, sticks it back out over the Red Sea. And you know what happens? Red Sea closes up. You ever thought about what they saw? You want to talk about an aquarium. Could you imagine? I know it's an ADD moment, Brother Josh. But could you imagine the children of Israel as they walked through that day? I'd have been the one that they'd, Brother Will, they'd have been having to hurry along because I'd be, I ain't never saw nothing like that. I didn't know a fish that big was in here. Well, look over you. I'd been running back and forth. I'd run 42 miles and I'd run to the other side three miles and looked at it and run back to the other side and looked at it. They get to the other side and the very thing, here's where I'm headed to, the very thing that they feared, the very person that had caused them all the problems, the very person that had held them captive, the very person that had made them do everything that they had done that they didn't want to do, that very person, when they get to the other side, they look back and they watch him as he goes into the Red Sea. And the Bible said this, that the chariot wheels run off. I mean, could you imagine? Your wheel run off. And the Bible said they drave it hard. I'm just telling you what the Bible says in chapter 14. It wasn't NASCAR in that day, Brother Brian. They didn't come running out there, jack it up, put another chariot wheel on, take off again. No, man. What is happening? God... God is letting them see their enemy destroyed before their face. Can I just say something to you? There's coming a day that we're crossing over, man. Until then, the cloud's going to lead us safely to the other side. But there's coming a day that we're crossing over. And when we get on the other side, you know what we're going to be able to do? We're going to be able to sit back and watch the devil as he is bound hand and foot and cast off into the lake of fire, the very one that had us in captivity, the very one that caused us all the shame and the problems that we faced in our life. Man, we'll see him destroyed before they're crossing. Here's the last thing. They're in camp. Chapter 15 rolls around. They've crossed over. They're singing. They're praising God. Miriam breaks out with a timbrel and a dance. That's what your Bible said. Breaks out with a timbrel and a dance and begins to dance before the Lord. Boy, they sing that song of deliverance and then the Bible said this. They come to Mara and yeah, it was a little hard right there, but God showed them a tree and anytime you hit a hard place in your life, if you'll just get to the tree, Calvary, It'll be made sweet like Mara was. The Bible said this in verse 27. And they came to Elam where there was 12 wells of water and three score palm trees. And they, here it is, encamped there by the waters. I see their captivity. I see their conquer. I see their cloud. I see their crossing, but then closing this morning and I'm done. I see their encamp. The Bible said when they got there, they was allowed to encamp there where there was 12 wells of water and 73 score palm trees. Palm trees is strength. How many tribes of Israel was they? It's 12. 
Every one of them had their own well to drink out of. But I got to thinking about this. I got to thinking about this. When we get to heaven, how many gates is there around heaven? There are 12 gates around heaven. There's coming a day that we're going to make it safely to the other side. And we're going to get to set up camp. Amen. No more heartache. No more problems. No more goodbyes. No more hospice house. Anybody hearing a preacher this morning? No more hospital visits. No more worrying about our loved ones if they're going to make it or not. There's coming a day that we're going to get to encamp on the other side. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, what a day that's going to be. This life is full of heartaches. This life's full of problems. This life's full of troubles. You might as well holler amen to everything I just said. But aren't you glad that we have a conqueror? And matter of fact, the Bible says this, that we are more than conquerors through him. We don't have to fall to this life. I thought about this song. I don't know if I can sing it or not. Many times here in life, I walk through dark valleys and I question, oh Lord, when I don't understand but then I hear Jesus say, my child just keep looking or the next hill there's a beautiful land. Someday I shall stand on the top of Mount Zion and I'll get to look in the Canaan's fair land. I'll sing and I'll shout when I reach that city for I'll never walk through the valley again. There's coming a camping day. It's coming a day when we're, we're going to land safely on the other side, friend. All the cares of this life will be gone. And I don't know about anybody else come start playing softly, but I'm glad that day, the one that's caused us all the problems, the one that's caused us all the heartaches, the one that's caused us all the trouble, we'll no longer see him. Man, I've read the back. I've read the back. We're more than conquerors through him.